Hello and welcome to the Greenhouse on Blaze Radio and blazeradioonline.com. I'm Pratham Bilal. And I'm Anna Snow. And today we're going to be talking about all things planet Earth. But specifically, we'll be talking about the NFL and how they have a green program and they're going to be here for the Super Bowl next month. Exactly. Everyone is excited, you know, about the mm-hmm. Super Bowl. If you've looked up in Phoenix, you've probably seen all the posters that are going on around town about how, you know, and bringing so much jobs and crazy things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a quick rundown on um, the sure. NFL. I'll say certainly all the sports journalism majors oh, that we go to it. school this is, with. This is their time of year. <laughs> uh, they're so excited. And, you know, it's cool. My, some of my friends are going to the Super Bowl That's cool. as a journalist, which is I so cool. I have friends who went, either, was it last year or two years ago? It was in Florida. It was in Florida two years ago and three years ago. Oh, okay. So two years ago, I had friends who were in choir that got to go and be a part of the, like, halftime performance. Yeah, wow. Um, when, is... it was, when it was Shakira. They got to Shiga. like, they had the little light up bracelets oh, or whatever. Were they the ones that maybe carried her? Something that? like that. I don't know. But, you know, NFL is a big deal. And we're yeah. talking about, you know, all the entertainment value mm-hmm. that it does. But, yes. you know, there's a little known branch of mm-hmm. the NFL and it's called NFL Green. Uh, and what they do is they like every Super Bowl city that the NFL goes to. NFL Green looks to come behind the Super Bowl mm-hmm. and kind of clean up the mess and try to make a change for the positive. Yeah. Uh, so they're here in Arizona and they're doing some cool things. Yes. Uh, and then we will also be talking about your morning coffee and whether you should be using a K-cup or regular coffee. Exactly. A Stick around later. for that. The results will surprise you. It surprised yes. us. Yes. Uh, so the NFL is this huge mega corporation. Mm-hmm. Um, they make about $17.2 billion a That's year. That's insane. That's, That's so much money. That could be helping people. And here they are. They're actually helping people, which That's is something good. that we're going to get into. Usually, we don't always talk about the way people are helping. Instead, we talk about like ways they could be. Here, people are actually helping. Yes. Um, so NFL is most known for their Super Bowl, obviously. Uh, one website estimates this year for those highly coveted Super Bowl commercials which are 30 seconds long, mm-hmm. $7 million. Wow. Uh, I wonder if companies make that back. Like if if you cause, you know, like if M&M's buys a $7 million commercial, is that going to make M&M's $7 million, million dollars sure. in like revenue from people buying more M&M's or something like that? Exactly. It probably doesn't. But if any, mm-hmm. if everyone else is doing, you kind of have to. I guess. Yeah. Um, you want people to, there's a buzz. You want people to talk about it, you know? Exactly. I mean, what Super Bowl commercials do you remember? The true answer is not The Budweiser many. one with the puppy. <laughs> really? <laughs> <laughs> I remember uh, there was this one last year that had a QR code that just scanned on the screen. That was it. It was a black screen with a QR code. <laughs> I remember this like Doritos one where the dad like, He's like eating Doritos while they're like a baby. His baby is being born, and he like throws the Dorito, and then the baby like comes out of the womb to get the Doritos or something. I don't know. Wow, that uh, one sticks out to me. That one's a few years old because I haven't watched the Super Bowl in the past couple years, mostly because oh, wow. I don't have like I don't have like cable or TV. Yeah. Like I have streaming, and I guess there are websites where you can stream the Super Bowl. But yeah, so I feel like yeah. I've missed out in the past like since being at college. I don't really feel like I've watched it, but mostly because. I'm not super good friends with anyone that's a sports journalist major. I have, like, friends that are, but none of my, like, closer friend group is. Yeah. So. No, I know what you mean. Um, and, you know, we're talking about the history of Super Bowl ads. And yeah. this program that we're talking about has existed actually since 1993. So it's wow. been around for a while. Yeah. Uh, it's 30 years this year. NFL Green, yeah. Uh, it was discovered in Atlanta. Okay. And they were originally designed for, like, food preservation because I think they were wasting a lot of food. So the NFL mm-hmm. wanted to do something about it. Uh, and now they have expanded 
expanded to recovering materials from the sea, planting more trees like they're going to do here in Arizona, and mm-hmm. we can use that a lot. You need some shade when it's sunny and hot outside. Exactly, and they're being recognized as one of the greenest sporting events oh, ever. That's interesting. So yeah, that's a distinction, I guess. Um, so this year, NFL Green is hosting a week. It's called NFL Green Week. Um, and they hosted a community cleanup event in Mesa. Oh, okay. Uh, so sticking local, um, it was really cool. It was at this area called the Sutton Recreation Area in Mesa. Um, and the goal was to pick up trash just around the Salt River. Mm-hmm. Um, I can confirm that a greenhouse exclusive, I did go to the event <gasps> just to see what would happen. I will report that it was 38 degrees on a Saturday morning at 8 a.m., which cold. That's another thing we have to talk about, how cold it was. Yeah, and how cold it is now. Cold <laughs> it is all week. But it was 38 degrees in this desolate area, um, and more than 600 people showed up. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what they say. That is crazy. Um based on what they're expecting, they say it's way more than usual. So wow. a lot of people showed up to clean the environment. So the NFL has an impact. They've got a following mm-hmm. here, and it was really and cool. And I think that's good because the NFL obviously is a huge name. It's a huge company. And so people who might not otherwise have done something like that went because it was the NFL. And the NFL isn't just, you know, out here picking up trash. They have also formed the NFL Green Committee, and they have partnered with Force Blue, which is a really great organization, and they focus on fixing problems in the ocean, and they employ entire retired veterans, who a lot of them, you know, my dad's a veteran, um, and he's doing well, but a lot of veterans struggle with PTSD and mental health mm-hmm. and other things, and they can struggle to get jobs or keep jobs. That's exactly um, what I said. They're tr- the People said they're trying to give veterans another purpose after they served, mm-hmm. um, and the and environment's still a big one. Serving, you know, in an, in exactly. another way, in a very different way. But now, you know, they served their country, and they, you know, deserve thanks for that. But now they're serving like the, the environment and the world. Yeah, and they have the NFL has been working with this corporation for a pretty long time now. Um, and, you know, they did a lot with them, especially because the Super Bowl was in Miami in 2019, and in Tampa in 2020, and Los Angeles in 2021. Or yeah. 20, Los Angeles was 2021, 2021 and 2022 20, is right here. Is here. Wait, um, we're in 2023 right now. We are in 2023, but technically the season started in 2022. Oh, okay. So they called the 2022-2023 NFL is, season. This is me I, not understanding sports no, it's okay. here. Every sports season works like that for some reason. Okay. We're, so we're in the 2022 Super Bowl. So even the past three have been in places that are a lot closer to oceans than we are here in Arizona. But that doesn't mean that they are doing nothing because we have a problem here with apple snails in the Salt River. Um, They are a very invasive species and they got here because of pet trade, basically. Mm -hmm. People would get them as pets and then if they didn't want them anymore, they would just release them. And now they're messing up the Salt River. (laughs) Exactly. And um, I guess snails are really tiny is what I thought. Is what you think, yeah. But... These are called the apple snails. And the reason they're called apple snails is not because they're red, but because they can grow to the size of an apple, which is actually kind of scary. Um, and they happen to be underwater, which is another, which is hard. So they're hard to find as well. Yeah. So I guess no one really sees the impact that they're making. Mm-hmm. But one thing that they do is they eat a lot of food to get to that size to be as big as an apple. So there's a lot less food for the native species, as well as... One of the biggest problems that invasive species kind of have across the board, not just these apple snails, is that there will 
no matter what environment they're in, there will be no natural predators to them. You no know? one to counter them. Exactly. No, so no one to like keep them in check. There's no like, you know, we talk about the food web and stuff and they kind of, you know, if, you know, wolves are eating rabbits and the rabbits can't grow to too big of a population or something like that. But there's no one to eat these snails. So they're just running rampant, eating all the food that belongs to the other animals and just ruining things. Exactly. And they cause a lot of problems to a lot of species. Um, so they're originally found in South America mm-hmm. is what we discovered. Yes. But they've been found found in parts of Texas and Florida, Southwest Asia, um, places like that. So they're places, all, I don't know how they ended up there. Um, but. I'm guessing pet trade probably for all of those places. Um, yeah. And so there's a difference between an invasive species and a non-native species. Not all non-native species pose a problem. Not all of them are invasive. But National Geographic defines invasive species as an organism that is not indigenous or native to a particular area and causes great economic and environmental harm to that new area. Exactly. Uh, one problem with uh, apple snails that we need to really emphasize is that if you eat apple snails, uh, they turn into a parasite. Um, oh, which is yeah. So when you eat them and when they die, they like release a parasite into mm-hmm. you, and this affects other mammals. Which if humans eat that, they cause a problem. Or in some cultures, maybe they eat snails. I know they do there's... in France, escargot. Wow, really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wow. So it's just another, it's a, it's, I didn't know snails could become parasites like that. I didn't know animals when they die. There is probably, and this is speculation based on having volunteered at a nature center for a long time and worked with animals and invasive species and stuff. That parasite is probably always in them and it probably is not harmful to them. It might even be a symbiotic relationship. It might even be good for them. Exactly. But when put into another organism that would say eat these apple snails, it's not good for that organism that ate them. And so then it'll be detrimental to them. Exactly. Um, And there are no pesticides discovered. Like science doesn't have Mm -hmm. any pesticides to remove these snails by like spraying anything. So this goes back to why Force Blue Mm -hmm. um, had to go in and pick them by hand. So what they did on this day is they sent like a bunch of divers just into the Salt River and literally took a bucket and put them in um, because it caused this problem. A very new definition of apple picking. <laughs> exactly. Um, but there there may be consequences of removing invasive species because, you know, if they've been in an environment mm-hmm. for such a long time, even though there's nothing to counter them and they're not native to the area, animals might have started adapting around them, which is a problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, I The NFL and Force Blue, which is, you know, really dedicated to the environment... Um, and I talked to someone from Force Blue, and they said they have, like, a whole science mm-hmm. board that really thinks about this. So I bet they research this very well. Definitely, yeah. And they didn't, um, like, take something that can have, like, a negative impact on the environment years from now. Yes. And apple snails are certainly not the only invasive species here in Arizona. We have crawfish that are not supposed to be here but got there by being basically used as bait for fishing and then were released. Yeah. We have red-eared sliders, which are turtles that were released through also through the pet trade. And there's other species, in, which includes cowbirds and starlings, as well as mussels and bullfrogs and lots of things, you know, that are not meant to be here but are. Exactly. Uh, so it's, it's great to see the NFL taking a step forward and trying to put this in. And mm-hmm. I'm glad they're doing events here in Phoenix. But yeah. I think 
it's lovely the Super Bowl is here. It's lovely is going to create so much jobs. Mm-hmm. Lovely is going to create tourism. A lot of construction is getting done here, which is fantastic. Which does not help me driving places, though. <laughs> <laughs> but it will help you in the future. In the future, um, sure. Because everything will, all the cranes will be gone. Uh, so it does have its benefits. And I'm, I'm curious to see, obviously this is before the Super Bowl, what the cleanup process of the Super Bowl mm-hmm. will be like. Uh, how much more traffic is going to be on the roads in oh, terms of like sure. people using resources here. It's so interesting. So I work at a vintage clothing store and we have talked so much about how busy it's going to be the weeks leading up to the Super Bowl. We have like game plans of like who's going to be working and how things are going to be going because just so many more people are going to be here. And so that tourism, you know, it's crazy. And and my boss even was like, celebrities might come in. We've had that happen before. Oh, yeah. You can't freak out if you meet them. <laughs> like, <laughs> It's funny, but it's true because I guess Arizona has had the Super Bowl in 2015 before. Mm-hmm. So they know what it's like. Exactly, um, yeah. And the fact that we're in downtown is going to be something. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think, obviously, so the Super Bowl itself is happening at State Farm Stadium, which is technically in Glendale. But I think a lot of people will want to come to downtown Phoenix because there's more happening. The reason it's in Glendale that that's where the stadium is is just because that's where, where the there's enough is. space. Yeah. Because I feel like there we already have two stadiums downtown. We footprint. have Chase Field where the Diamondbacks play. And then I think it's called the Footprint Center now, although the name yeah, changed, changed a lot. Changed, <laughs> it's Footprint um, right now. So where the Suns play. So I think a third stadium wouldn't fit downtown. So it's in Glendale. Exactly. Because they had the room, but... But they're doing a lot of stuff here, like mm-hmm. something called Super Bowl fan experience. That's happening yeah. like parks nearby. Yeah. Something's happening in the Phoenix Convention and so, Center. so, yeah, if people, especially if they've never been to Phoenix before, I think a lot of people will want to come downtown and stuff, which is where we live and where yeah. we go to school. And then they'll discover the how much you need a car in Phoenix. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think our public transportation is going to do very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a lot of people be, on the light rail. That'd be interesting to study to see, like... An, an analysis of Super Bowl cities and like you know yeah. how they recover. Definitely. Coming up next, we're gonna take a look at your morning coffee. It's only it's one p.m., but have you had it yet? We may have a more sustainable way for you to drink. That's coming up on the Greenhouse on Blaze Radio and Blaze Radio Online. All right, welcome back to the Greenhouse. We're gonna start talking about your morning coffee, which is actually something I don't partake in. I don't drink coffee. I, I don't partake in it either. I should be. Because I wake up so early in the morning and I need that energy to get me going. But I also do not partake in said coffee. I'm not a big caffeine person, personally. I'm very very petite, if you don't know. If you're just a fan <laughs> or just a listener, I'm only 4'11". Yeah. Um, and, so, and I also think because I drink it so infrequently, caffeine hits me really hard. So I, I just My don't really... My hope is that I never need caffeine because I want to be able to like be natural because I have no idea how it affects yeah. your body. I'm also very glad that I don't rely on caffeine. I'm not someone that like wakes up every day and needs it. But a lot of people are and there's nothing wrong with that. And a lot of people also just drink coffee because they like how it tastes. You exactly. Know? Well, if you're plugged into the news, um, you'll see that very often it's almost like every other week, a new study comes out about coffee that's like, mm-hmm. it has these health benefits. It doesn't have these health it's benefits. It's terrible for you. It's great for you. Exactly. You should be drinking two to three cups a day. Uh, CNN loves doing that on their mm-hmm. Sunday nights. Yep. On Sunday nights, they send out all these push notifications about the benefits or lack of benefits of coffee. So wow. it's very polarizing, I will mm-hmm. say. Even though everyone goes to gener- like Starbucks so often. Oh, yeah. Coffee shops are always packed. Exactly. Um... So we're going to take a look. We're not going to we're not going to give you your opinion on uh, whether we think coffee is good for you or not. Yeah. Uh, but what we can tell you is that 
coffee is widely used. We, I looked at a study. 146 billion gallons of coffee are consumed throughout the year. That's crazy. Which is ridiculous. I mean, I can understand people get tired, but I think it, I think it says a lot about overworking yourself as yeah. a society. Yeah. That we need coffee to get us started. And I think if your body gets used to having that caffeine to wake you up, it's really hard to break. Um, and so that's, again, like I said, glad I don't rely on it. But lots of people do. And a lot, one of the best coffees, or I guess coffee people say, Costa Rica. It's like really good coffee. Exactly. You know? And a lot of these South American countries, you know, because that's where it comes yeah. from. Over our winter break, I actually went to Costa Rica. Oh, did you? And I went on these coffee tours. And they took us through these plantations. Oh, that's so And they cool. like showed us how it worked. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like taking notes like, oh, this would be great on the greenhouse. Because um, nice. like a lot of things, it's very agriculture based. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you got to make the beans. Then there's something called, they call them coffee cherries. They're okay. beans, but they call them coffee cherries. Basically, you like wash them and you dry them and you roast them. And mm-hmm. that, That's the bean. That's the beans. But the way they roast them, I was a little disappointed because they literally put them in like a pot, mm-hmm. um, like a popcorn pot, basically. Oh, okay. And they like, you see the fire coming out and they're, and they're turning it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it takes a lot of energy and like bad not green energy yeah uh, to produce coffee beans um but i did see uh how it works and it was interesting that is really cool i didn't know that until just now um and there was a new environmental study from the university of quebec which explains that k-cops may actually be less environmentally harmful than you think so obviously they come in those little plastic cups so a lot of people think they're not good because now you're going to throw away that little plastic cup Exactly. And just in, just for a brief reminder for those of you who mm-hmm. may not know, K-Pods are basically these tiny, they call them coffee capsules. Mm-hmm. Basically, they have like the, basically a powder made. Yeah, they're about the size of a shot glass um, and they have like a lid and you just put it in your Keurig or whatever other K-Cup, K-Pod coffee maker you have. You have. Um, and then you just literally press start. You press start, yeah. It's a very quick way from what I've heard is mm-hmm. to like get your coffee done yeah. right. Um, actually, in Costa Rica, they were bashing K-Cups because they were saying, like, <laughs> if it's ready in a minute, is it really coffee? Because mm-hmm. uh, And that's what coffee. a lot of coffee connoisseurs or people who are really, <laughs> like, into their coffee, they'll be like, oh, no, K-Cups. No, gross. You have to, like, roast it and, like, make, like, a pot of coffee yourself. Exactly. And as Anna mentioned for pl- about, like, plastic, mm-hmm. is these are single-use plastic cups. Yes. Uh, so you can only use them once and you have I to toss them. I did one time have a friend who tried to reuse it because the grounds are still in there sometimes to it's see. left okay um and it's just you you can technically use the pot a second time but it is much less strong coffee it's much more watery um it, so it, they're, yeah. they're made to be single use i just had a friend who tested it one time to see if she could use it again and there's very limited ways to stray away from k-cups mm-hmm. if you want instant coffee i don't know yeah. if you've taken a look at like the supermarket, I've had a couple phases where I'm be like, I'm about to be a coffee person. Let me look around and see what my options are. And there are like whole shelves that are just K-cups. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, the market share of K-cups grew 24%. So like wow. they now have even more of the market. I think that's a lot of society and a lot of market things today. Is people want things and they want things fast. And so I think when you have products like this that make things a lot faster... People are going to want that. It's more convenient. You know, but if you've got to get out of, out of bed in the morning and get to work, you know, it's easier to, to have this than to roast or make like a pot of coffee, I guess. It's also like a monopoly because what if you wanted to come into the market and make your own different cup? Mm-hmm. Um, y- what machines are going to carry your 
G cup or something. Yeah, like something and, and really that's like that. the thing is, even if other brands make cups, they have to make them the same size as like Keurig because that's like the standard. The even though there's other yeah. brands, that's what the K is. It's Keurig. Yeah. Um. So even other brands are now calling it like whatever. Exactly. Um. You know, I, in fact, the understanding of K cups. The way we understood it before this mm -hmm. University of Quebec study was that they were bad. Yeah. So the uni a city in Germany actually banned them in their government offices because oh, wow. they were trying to eliminate waste. So they were tr they were looking ahead at these plastic things. Um, but I guess what this new study says is that they failed to take into consideration emissions mm -hmm. because apparently when it comes to like just the overall coffee making process, K cups use coffee the most sustainably they yeah so in that little cup there's less coffee grounds and beans and stuff that than what you would get if you brewed a pot of coffee so even though you're using a single-use plastic you're using less energy and less emissions and less coffee um, which means that there is less coffee needing to be produced and stuff like that in places like costa rica Exactly. I don't know. Um, you were talking a little bit about like the leftover grounds from a K cup. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you ever use like a real coffee, like with a coffee filter with the and filter very and old you put school. The grounds in, and yeah. a lot of those have like a ton of leftover. Mm -hmm. And I think once that grounds are like wet, you can't use it again. I think probably kind of similar to if you run through the K cup again, you probably technically can, but it'll be a much weaker, more watery. Is gone. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's like gross, the grounds when mm -hmm. they're done through the filter. I would be interested to find out. So obviously one K-cup uses less emissions and less energy and coffee and stuff than if you brew a pot of coffee. But how many K-cups equal Takes a, a pot, pot of, coffee. of coffee? Because a pot of coffee obviously makes more than one serving and a K-cup is one serving. Yeah, that 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 is an interesting thing. But I also mm -hmm. wonder how many people, is it families that make these big... Um, just pots of coffee. Maybe workplaces, actually. Workplaces. And then, like, I know my family, like, my mom would make a pot of coffee, but my mom drank multiple cups of oh, coffee yeah. a day. Yeah. And then my dad, if you're listening, you always leave your coffee cups <laughs> half full. And so he'd be like, oh, yeah, I'm drinking coffee. And then I would find his cup, like, half full somewhere in the house. And then you have to waste it. And then it's wasted. But my mom even would, if she had some leftover for the next day, she would just microwave it. Oh, really? But, yeah, like, so it would be warm again. But, yeah, she would just microwave it. Wow. So people people go through coffee fast, especially yes. as journalists. So this is just our way of like yeah. understanding. A lot of journalists, you, you got to be up at 3 a.m. to be on the <laughs> 6 o'clock news and stuff like that, you yeah. know. I, when I was at KJZZ, uh, shout out to our friends shout at KJZZ. Shout out KJZ. Um, they just had a black pot of coffee in the newsroom and you could, it's like the communal mm -hmm. coffee thing. Um, so, but what we discovered, so number one in terms of emissions was mm -hmm. the freshly brewed like you know literally poured into a coffee filter yeah number two was the french press so oh, another style of like mm -hmm. brewing coffee by yourself yeah um as opposed to a k-cup mm -hmm. but we were we were talking still like the plastic from a k-cup is not forgotten mm -hmm. but anna found something that a k-cup may be able to be reused not one that's the single use that you can reuse but you can there fill are, it up yourself there are refillable k-cups um so they're made they're the right size they fit in your machine um and you just put coffee in them yourself um i will be 100 honest here i didn't do maybe quite enough research i don't know if you just use regular coffee grounds in them or if you have to use like a special and you have to buy your own and special, give the company more yeah, money yeah keurig coffee um, for the, but th there are refillable ones which is if 
that is using the same amount of coffee grounds or whatever is in the K-cup as a K-cup, and yeah. you just then it eliminates the plastic part, then that's great. Yeah, and it works. But if you're mm-hmm. using the same amount of uh, like powder as you would in a freshly brewed cup of coffee, then you've kind of evened it out. Like you're exactly. using less cup, but then you're still getting more emissions from mm-hmm. uh, yeah. the thing. Apparently, a, a study sa- the study says you can save between 10 to 13 milligrams of coffee um, in each K-pod compared to like a regular mm-hmm. thing. So yeah. that's you know something to think about. Um, and then just the last thing before we go, um, it also takes a lot of time for coffee to generate the coffee plants. Yeah. Three to four years from the seed to mm-hmm. something that's usable. So just think about all that fertilizer and like, you know, all the problems associated with that agriculture yeah. and runoff and watering and the sun and mm-hmm. the maybe unsustainable farming of like picking it up as quickly yeah. as you can. Uh, there's several problems with that. Definitely. Overall, I think, you know, I think one of the things we talk about on the greenhouse a lot is that there's pros and cons to so many things in our day-to-day life. Like, you know, last episode we talked about some of the pros and cons of an electric car and lithium batteries. And ultimately, I think you have to decide for yourself what you think is going to be the best for your life and the environment. And, you know, so, yeah, K-cups use less emissions, but they're creating plastic. So I think, you know, there's a lot of things to weigh. It's a very gray area solution. There's a lot of things you have to weigh for yourself. Yeah as is all environmental problems. Yes. Well, thank you for joining us on this episode of The Greenhouse. We talked about the Super Bowl coming to town and the ways the NFL is trying to make the city green as it spends its dollars here. And get rid of apple snails. Exactly. I'm Bretham Ball. And I'm Anna Snow. And thank you so much for tuning in and listening to all things planet Earth. Have a good day.